Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Buckle up, strap yourself in, and get ready. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I uh, had a number of plans to start off this show today, but uh, they all changed in the last 25 minutes. I pre-recorded an interview with a pain specialist, Dr. Mary Redmond from the Ottawa area. And that interview made such an impression on me that I've decided we're going to run it here at the beginning of the show. We'll play it again for you tomorrow. We were actually going to play it tomorrow. But I'm going to play it for you now. Because what's happening as far as the pain issue is concerned, the chronic pain issue, and as you know, on this program, we've taken the patient side, the chronic pain patient or the chronic agony patient side, and questioned the governments and questioned the medical authorities, who to me have an agenda and are not telling the truth and are causing problems for people, causing people to be terrified I'm getting emails from Canada, the United States, Europe, an email from Sydney, Australia, from terrified patients. Here's an example of one. Um, Do you know any people in the United States like you trying to make people question what they're doing to pain patients? I fear each month what will happen to my appointment. I've thought long and hard about what I would do if I lost access to my pain medication. Would my family be better without having me to live with in my pain? How bad would my suicide hurt my kids, especially my youngest, as he isn't old enough to understand or care for himself? That's a young mother. And they happen, they come in one after another, after another, after another. Here's an email that begins, Mr. Green, I cannot thank you enough for the work you're doing on behalf of chronic pain patients. I'm a patient advocate and have been terribly concerned about these issues for a number of years. I have one client who's literally dying because of the cessation of his opioid treatment. The current climate of fear among physicians and patients is truly frightening to witness in a supposedly free and open society like Canada in the 21st century. Remember the interview that I did with the Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott? Here's how it started. Dr. Philpott, why is all the talk from governments about painkillers instead of pain? You do know that people who take painkillers, people who take opioids, do it just to make life tolerable. 
Well, I think that's a fantastic point, and uh, I think you're absolutely right that uh, uh, it's a fair point that the conversation needs to be around the pain and recognizing that when people do take uh, substances that uh, are used for controlling pain, it's because they have pain, sometimes uh, physical, sometimes psychological, but uh, the pain is uh, certainly should be a central theme to this conversation. So, no answer. As I said to the minister about question four, you haven't answered any of my questions yet. Why they don't answer the questions if they don't have answers to the questions? Because it is such a mess. Have a listen now, please. If you've been following along with us, and you've heard the pain patients, like Dawn Ray Downton, who will be with us tomorrow with her husband, and if you've heard the doctors, some of whom are trying to sell this whole issue of opioids bad. They are bad if they're misused. But for the pain patient, please have a listen to my conversation with Dr. Mary Redmond, pain specialist from the Ottawa area. Dr. Redmond, chronic pain patients, maybe more accurately, chronic agony patients, are now almost universally terrified. Their opioid medications will be dramatically reduced or entirely withheld by doctors who previously regularly prescribed their dosages. Are doctors under pressure from governments and regulating medical colleges to to cut back and maybe to entirely withhold opioid medications? In the short answer with that would be probably yes, Roy, because but we don't know where it's headed right now because they they we're waiting to see the response individual colleges and ministries of health across the country. And certainly there has been, the BC College was one of the first ones to uh, respond when the Center for Disease Control uh, new guidelines came out a few months ago. And they uh, they put in a set of rules that were you know, quite a dramatic change, basically, that if patients were on greater than, uh, say, 90 milligrams of morphine or its equivalent per day, uh, they the doses would have to be... Uh, strategically weaned, and that if they were on the ben- one of the benzodiazepines such as Valium, Ativan, or Clonazepam, that they would only be able to stay on it as long as it took to wean them off it. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Owen Williamson in BC, he was the uh, head of the pain physicians BC, he negotiated with them to get them to, to you know, back off the pace a little bit and uh, initiate this in a more uh, gradual pattern, but patients were very, very frightened and very desperate. And the other colleges across the country, they haven't come up with a position yet. In Ontario, what has happened is that the Ministry of Health sent the college here a list of most of the pain physicians in uh, the province and required the college to investigate their practices. So that's about nearly 100 different pain doctors. And they're they're putting in place a lot of restrictions for the physicians, a lot or requesting that they have supervisors and so forth. And it's frightening the patients to death, and it's frightening doctors who normally wouldn't feel too uncomfortable with prescribing some pain medications for a patient. It's making them pretty terrified to start doing so right now. Boy, isn't that terrifying? That's terrifying in and of itself when you have patients and doctors terrified uh-huh. over the same issue, and then we have the manipulation of statistics and information, much of the trotted out information on deaths due to opioid overdoses has to do with generic drug addicts buying illegal uncontrolled drugs on the street corners and nothing to do with chronic pain patients who carefully follow their prescriptions and gain some quality of life from the opioids where there was none before. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And the, the part of the difficulty, too, is the changing culture. In the, in the early, in, say, 2000 to 2010, uh, basically, most physicians were hearing such things as from the World Health Organization that pain control is a basic human right. And we were encouraged to give patients, what, if the patient said they had pain, treat their pain. And increase the doses as long as you're seeing a progressive improvement in function and so forth. But then um, the, the whole culture has changed in since 2010. It's gra- it was gradual. It was just a suggestion that, you know, be more cautious about prescribing and increasing the doses. But now with the fentanyl crisis and one thing and another in, um, across the country, you're right. People are uh, uh, jumping to the conclusions that this must have something to do with prescribed opioids, and there's really no connection. No, there, there really isn't. And uh, we now have patients increasingly, uh, and I'm just going by statistics or at least emails, that I'm seeing from all over the world after I've been speaking about it and posting about this issue. And we have patients increasingly talking about committing suicide and being quite serious about it. I have an email in front of me. I just want to read you a a few lines. This came from an American. Do you know of any people in the United States like you trying to make people question what they're doing to uh, pain patients? I fear each month what will happen to my appointment. Uh, I have, though, thought long and hard about what I would do if I lost access to my pain medication. Would my family be better off without having me live with my pain how bad would my suicide hurt my kids, especially my youngest, as he isn't old enough to understand or care for himself? So we have a young mom uh, thinking wow. about, actively thinking about killing herself and wondering whether it's appropriate for her to kill herself before her youngest child becomes dependent on her. That's a tragic, tragic, even that few, those few words, that's a tragic picture to bring into one's head. And and it it should not this should not be something that people and it happens for. it happens again and again, Doctor Redmond, as you know. Well, it, it I do, I, I, but I'm seeing colleagues right now with this business with our college here. There are colleagues who are being forced to stop practice or who are forcing choosing to stop practicing pain medication management because of the the, the drawn out battle with the college, and these patients are going to be left high and dry. There'll be nobody to look after them. It's, it's, it's just, it's very, very sad mess. That's, that's, again, I've used the word before, that's terrifying. Doctors giving up the practice of pain management because they don't want to be dealing with the oversight, the inconsistent oversight of colleges and governments. And so now patients will be left uh, without a doctor. And then you add to that the curve of retiring physicians who are getting older and the situation becomes particularly distressing. I received an email the other day from uh, someone who's actually going to be on the air with me uh, shortly. And uh, population of Canada, 36 million. The percentage over age 20, 78%, or 28 million. Uh, the percentage in chronic pain, 20%, 5.6 million. And the percentage of people, or the number of people projected to kill themselves, commit suicide, because of... Not being having not having access to their opioids, one percent or fifty six thousand people committing suicide. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely 56, heartbreaking. And I, I know people. a personal, well, it's personal uh, friends who have had to give or having to give up their practice through no choice of their own, and they don't know it's. There's nothing more heartbreaking for a physician than having to abandon their patients, and there's ter- 
it's heartbreaking to think what these patients can do if they're suddenly abandoned like that. They may have to go to methadone or suboxone clinics and profess to be addicts to get anything resembling treatment, and that's even more stigmatizing than than chronic pain is. I don't know what to say. Because what, I don't what, what I'm asking myself is, how is this allowed to happen? Who allowed this to become so completely out of control? Now, I spoke with Dr. Lynn Webster, the past president of the American Academy of Pain Medicine, and his position is that insurance companies started it in the United States because of their reluctance to pay for prescriptions, particularly for prescriptions for war veterans. And, uh, and this is what got the CDC involved, and there was a not even half-thought-out policy that has been run with madly, and we are where we are. We now have, as you said, your colleagues giving up pain management, patients without doctors, uh, projections of 56,000 people in this country committing suicide, and I speak with the Federal Minister of Health, and I don't expect you to comment on this, and she has no answers for me. I asked for hard numbers. She said we don't have them. I asked her what pain patients are addicted to. She had no idea what I was asking, and I said, Minister, what they're addicted to is living without pain. And so where are we going to be in a year's time, Dr. Redmond, if this is not addressed? And I suspect, my guess is, you tell me, in a year's time, there will be further withdrawal, further rejection of the use of opioids, and there'll be more desperate people with terrible consequences. I'm afraid that that may well happen. I don't know what, what I'm going, we're going day by day here because I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't, we don't know what our college and our, uh, is going to set out as recommendations. And we don't know how many of our, my colleagues will have their practices uh, curtailed severely. It's, it's very worrying. And it, it also makes us feel relatively helpless because I don't even know who to approach to see if anything might be changed. You don't know anyone to approach? If you don't know as a physician, how is the patient supposed to react? The patient doesn't have a doctor. I would consider patients who have you as a doctor would be blessed. But they, if, 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 if they hear your, your fears, that will well, only... Well, I, I have about 1,200 active wow. chronic pain patients. Wow. And they most, many of them have been with me like 12 to 20 years. Yeah. But I'm, uh, they ask me such questions as, what happens to me if you die? I'm shortly going to be 65, and I tell them, I really don't have a plan in place for that. But in seriousness, they are worried. They're worried what happens if I'm not there. And I will be as long as I I physically can be, but we just don't know. As you say, the pain doctors are aging. And this is just uh, with the population, and uh, we don't know where the next couple of years are going to take it. And this is so unnecessary. I agree. All that but has to happen. It's, 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 well, we, all, we, all of the thing needs to happen is probably to have more conversation about what happens next. Mm-hmm. What, if the, if the, how is this going to be managed in a way that still treats the patients with respect and respects the fact that if 20 to 30 percent of the population has chronic pain, this is not something that can be just dismissed. The, cur- the new uh, opioid guidelines are suggesting that no patient should be given more than the equivalent of 50 milligrams of morphine a day. To patients who are not in pain medications, that sounds like a fair lot, but that's the equivalent probably of something like taking probably six oxycocet, Percocet per day, is roughly the same amount of medication, and that's not a horrendously high dose. 
and they also the guidelines do are are put in place for all patients. I have a patient who's six foot ten and three hundred pounds. I have little ladies who are or barely five feet tall and seventy years old. They the same restrictions shouldn't apply to both if they have to apply to anyone. No. Doctor Mary Redmond, pain specialist in the Ottawa area. And there's the truth of the situation. It's only going to get worse with the current policies, lack of understanding, and trying to massage the impossible and terrifying pain patients globally. There are other doctors who've been in touch with me. Other doctors who said, thank you for doing what you're doing. Some have said that when I've said it's a human right to be pain-free that I'm over-speaking. Well, maybe, maybe not. However, I understand you're going to have a headache now and then. However, people are actively considering suicide, actively terrified, because they can't get the medications they require. We'll come back in a minute. 